0: We want the dynamite from the post-wrestling site, you, lighting up the fuse, sit back and enjoy the bubbly, Which we hear from John and Wayne Tate, where we're going we don't need roads, and if the buck stops here yeah, this thing might blow, everything you hear are opinions of the show, and if you don't like it, go to the Forbes and let them know.
1: Hello everybody and welcome to Rewind a Dynamite with John Pollock and Wei Ting coming at you live in living color. How are you Wei? Doing really well. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I just finished the finale of Loki. Holy crap. Did not Uh, see that ending coming.
0: uh, Yeah, wow. You watched it. You actually had time to catch it, eh? No, I didn't. I'm
1: two episodes behind, so I'll get to it in the coming days. It was, no the it, was no, bit, it was quite the finale.
0: It wasn't When
1: did you watch fun. it? Did you watch it? Were you one of those, like, ready when it dropped?
0: Or did you get around to it today? What was your, your viewing of Loki? This early Earlier this morning, you know, okay. um, part of it is, like... Me Just having enough energy staying up that late to, to watch it i would probably fall asleep even if it was a really great episode what, what and, time uh, do they usually release them is it three uh, four in the morning midnight on the west coast so three am for us okay yeah and uh so you know I just caught it this afternoon and bef- you because know, I still want to like engage in, i i just don't want to be spoiled and I do want to engage mm-hmm. in some of the discussion so uh, I'd like to catch them a bit earlier i'll probably watch it again before we uh, do mcu later tomorrow night I wonder if John Cena was spoiled in his text messaging. Um, I don't know. I'm not sure. That's an ongoing rivalry he has between WH Park um, to see who can fake spoil the other first uh, because they've been exchanging constantly fake spoilers. So we'll find out. Yeah, it's interesting.
1: Um, well, we can find out uh, what the man spoiled. Uh, Thursday night, a live edition of MCU Later. It's going to be mcu live right now on thursday night
0: with wh and wei ting yeah maybe like mcu now live now sure okay that works for i me. see you now that i really defeats the whole play on words but we're trying we'll work on it but I, you might have a lot of mcu to catch up on this week because oh we'll it's be- too much you got to watch both editions of Loki and then sometime this weekend you got to watch Black Widow because we'll be doing I, I got to watch Black Widow for 2 hours and 15 minutes and I got to drop 35 bucks for this
1: thing as well, man. Disney Plus. I'm I'm so glad that I at least I'm going to help Disney get through this uh pandemic that they're <laughs> going to be okay. I think Disney'll make it. So, I'm I'm happy to help with my $35 to make sure that they can keep the lights on at Disney. But you
0: got to help the little guys. So, I um... really do. Yes. Yes. Thank you for that. But uh, yeah, at some point this weekend, but John Pollock will watch Black Widow, and he will be joining me and WH Park to review Black Widow on the Patreon next Tuesday. So I'm really excited to have you there.
1: Yes. Uh, for this week's uh, Patreon show, we've got the 1992 Royal Rumble. That is up. Seems to be a show many people uh, enjoyed. And uh, no kidding, like an incredible uh, piece of feedback that we got. We got some really great feedback on the show, but one in particular really stands out. But we have uh, two plus hours looking at the show from January of 1992 when Ric Flair tossed over Sid Justice, spoiler alert, 29 years later, and then uh, Ric Flair climbed to the top turnbuckle and performed a coffin drop onto a box with Hulk Hogan Inside, after the Undertaker put him there,
0: really ahead of his time. Yeah, that Ric Flair it was.
1: It was. <laughs> yeah, it was I would quite have love finish. to see ninety-two Ric Flair versus twenty-twenty-one
0: Darby Allen. Um, you know what? What about twenty-twenty-one Ric Flair versus twenty-twenty-one Darby Allen? I think that'd be <laughs> that, quite could, that could be too. something
1: too. I mean, we we know that Ric Flair can take a vertical suplex into a body of water, so you can yes. start from there. We know he can at least yeah. take take a water bump. Uh, so go check that out. Uh, a fun show,
0: even including the Beverly Brothers versus the Bushwhackers. Well, I certainly enjoyed it. I mean, it, it seems to be a show that like really resonates with our particular generation of, of fans um, and really anybody who I think remembers that period. Um, so do check that out. Do check it out and leave us uh, feedback
1: on the forum uh, because, as everyone knows, I love compliments. What else is going on this week, Way We've got SmackDown Friday night, Slam Reversary post-show on Saturday with Davey Portman and John Cena, and then Sunday night, more, more of us, right after Money in the Bank, where we will be chatting about live fans reacting to WWE wrestling, as we
0: will Friday. It's a big day. It's a big pay-per-view. They, they specifically moved this one up so that it could be in front of audiences. So I look forward to seeing the presentation of the crowd, seeing how these crowds will react to a lot of these people that we haven't seen them react to. Um, But, you know, speaking about Money in the Bank, did you know that Up Next had a surprise Money in the Bank game today? No, I did not. I haven't seen it yet myself, but apparently on Twitch, they surprised their panel. They brought down a panel to do like a top five Money in the Bank, and they sprung on a game for them. So um, they did, like, graphics and all that stuff, too. So really getting to the Money in the Bank festivities, I would say. Oh, Um, okay. Yeah, so a lot going on. So there was a winner? Was there someone that left with a up-next briefcase? Yeah, somebody got a shot at a title match against Brayden, I suppose, for for their SummerSlam game. (laughs) I haven't watched it, so I have no idea who won.
1: All right, well, well, go check that out. They've also got uh, a new edition of Up Next, chatting about Tuesday night's episode. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, but uh, before we forget, uh, I do want to plug that on Saturday, Martin Bushby is doing his 12-hour live stream. Uh, this is a, a really great cause that he is doing this for. And not just myself, but Wei Ting will also be part of this on on Saturday.
0: Yeah, I'll probably, he'll be going from 7 a.m. Eastern time. Is that correct? 12 p.m. I think so. British Standard Time. But that would be 7 a.m. here on the East Coast in our time zone. I'm going to be joining him at 2 o'clock. So um, he'll be about, uh, what is it, 7 hours in. Wow. That's insane. How's this guy going to be, like, by the 5th hour, much less the 7th?
1: Oh, yeah. I'm I'm coming in, like, well into it, so he might be a mess by the time I come on, so that should be fun. Uh, all of the information, including the live link, and if you care to donate to the Children's Heart Surgery Fund, fund, uh, I've pinned that information on my Twitter account, so if you want to go check that out, I am John Pollock on Twitter. You can get all the info there for Saturday's 12-hour live stream, hosted by
0: Martin Bushby, the bravest man in podcasting. I think Benno will be joining him for at least most of it, if not even all of it. So I think I'll just have it on in the background throughout my day. All right. Well, there you go. That, that'll be fun. You should, uh, we will, we will see how Martin's holding up by, by hour number 11. Yeah. it'll be great. That accent is going to be all over the place. You know, it'll be like a Russian accent by the end.
1: <laughs> well, That's, that's part of the fun. He's going to span the globe with all accents.
0: Uh,
1: all of, uh, all of that information, uh, once again, can be found, uh, we should put a thing up on the, on the site as well. I'll, uh, I'll get around to that uh, this day. But lots of people in the post-wrestling community will be stopping by over the course of these 12 hours. Uh, let us move on now to uh, a couple of news and notes from the uh, the past couple of days. And uh, this one uh, came out on Tuesday, uh, which would appear to kind of bring an end to this uh, story, kind of uh, abruptly, out of nowhere. And that is uh, Samantha Tavell, Uh, a.k.a. performer Candy Cartwright, has dropped her lawsuit against Matt Riddle. This was the civil suit that had been filed uh, last October. And if you remember, um, this was filed in Illinois and had initially named Matt Riddle... WWE, uh, an unnamed co-founder of Evolve, uh, which we would learn was Gabe Sapolsky, and Evolve were all defendants. And this was an enormous suit. She was seeking $10 million from each of the defendants and had alleged that uh, multiple sexual assaults had been committed by Riddle and that he had bragged about them and, uh, you know, alleging that the promotions, Evolve and WWE had... Uh, in fact, approved of these assaults on Samantha Tabl, and that her bookings were infected or were affected by uh, just this this whole uh, involvement with Riddle. Um, in time, Sapolsky and Evolve were dropped from the suit, and then Tuesday it ended up that uh, she was dropping it completely. There was uh, TMZ was the one who reported on this and stated that. Like there's no knowledge of any kind of monetary settlement, but it's being uh, it's being closed uh, with prejudice, meaning this is not something where she can revisit this and refile down the road. So in theory, this would bring an end uh, to this to this whole suit, and it's not. I I, I don't know if there's going to be any kind of specific language that travel uh can ever talk about this or if riddle is ever going to choose uh, to talk about this but this very well may be
0: kind of the conclusion uh, of this way mhm yeah you know as somebody who's simply a fan looking from the outside it's very difficult for me to be able to comment on
1: how it's just it. It's what like we can only go based on the information that was out there. I mean, she made the allegations. Riddle, you remember he posted that video. He he acknowledged that he had an affair with this woman, but uh, denied any uh, sexual assault allegations. So that's that's kind of where it is. This happened. Um, you know, WWE went ahead. They brought Riddle up to SmackDown, and he has been um, you know, a prominently featured performer this this whole time. And, you know, they they obviously felt that that confidence in, in using Riddle so that I mean, that that's really all you can say is like what, what's out there and that this is not going to progress any further. If if you're looking for, you know, either side to get their day in court, it looks like that will not be the case.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, do we know? Do you, do you know anything about like wh- how this resolution or lack thereof was was reached? Is there was there any sort of settlement attached there's, to it or anything?
1: I mean, that's like we're going on this TMZ report. They do not know if there was a monetary settlement. So, I mean, it would be pure speculation about how this was arrived at. Um, I, I just you, you just don't know. Like, if there was if there was a settlement. I mean, the fact is like when there's a lawsuit, wh- whatever side you're on. I mean, that is something that is lingering over you. I don't think, you know, anyone wants to be a part of that, and that can certainly weigh on people. Uh, but I do not know what led to uh, this, this being dropped other than this this was made. And it seems like it was, you know, Samantha Tavel opting to drop drop the suit, and again, with prejudice. Um, another story, this is, uh, you know, not, not a pleasant one either. Uh, this was first reported on Tuesday or sorry, on Wednesday by wrestlingnews.co by, uh, reporter Angel Rodriguez, uh, revealing that Michael Elgin, real name Aaron Frobel had been arrested last month after, uh, allegedly violating a protective order, uh, from his ex-fiance, uh. The couple had been together since last June and then broke up in April, and uh, the woman had stated that she had left the relationship. Uh, they had been living together and sought out this protective order, which was issued back in May, uh, citing you know uh, a whole list of verbal abu- verbal abuse in public and private, uh, monitoring her sexual caretaking, pressure to engage in sex acts that she had expressed not wanting to do, uh, insulting, shaming, intimidation. Um, so there, this order of protection uh, was granted. And then she alleged that this had been broken multiple times with uh, Elgin trying to contact her. She stated through different aliases by, by email, tried to contact her mother by email. And so it's just a, uh, a really, um, you know, unpleasant uh, story involved here. Uh, Elgin has not uh, commented on any of this, and we'll see where this uh, progresses further. But this, if you want to go and read the entire um, incident report, it is linked to in the story that we have up on the website and the WrestlingNews.co site. They they obtained the incident report that has all of the specific details that she has alleged. And her name was redacted as well, so that's why I'm referring to uh, she uh, as the female in this story. But it's uh, obviously not a not a pleasant story at all, involving Michael Elgin. NXT news, we will move over to next. Coming out of Tuesday night, uh, we saw Mandy Rose appear on the program. And it's since been uh, learned, this was first reported by a PW Insider, and I was told the same, that Mandy Rose is now considered a full-time member of the nxt roster it was a curious move way because mandy rose was certainly not written out of anything on raw and i guess we'll wait to see if she has any more appearances on raw but it seems like she has been shifted to nxt and in theory that would mean the tag
0: team with dana brooke is done i would say that the news was surprising but I mean it seems like this kind of constant flip-flopping between talents from NXT to WWE main roster it it, it goes both ways now. Um just as 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 abruptly as we saw, you know, Shati Blackheart and Tegan Knox move up to the main roster, we're seeing just as abrupt of a change for Mandy Rose. Um so maybe some sort of switching going on here. Maybe, you know, in the back they're like, hey, "You want to just take one of our guys? Well, then we want to take one of your guys too." Um Whatever. It's pro wrestling. They'll write stories around it to explain it. I think for Mandy Rose, this is a very, very positive move. You know, contractually, I don't know. Monetarily, I don't know if anything changes for her. But at least in terms of um, character development, in terms of her being able to build herself as a wrestler and also as a performer backstage, I think this is it can only be a good move because she wasn't really really doing a whole lot in that match with Dana Brooke. Her character work was all over the place. She had a really high mark, I, I would say, with the Otis storyline and then with the Sonya Deville storyline. But ever since she's come to Raw, it's been nothing. It's been a real regression. So I hope NXT is where she could reinvent herself.
1: Yeah, possible. I think it's just, um, you know, it just seemed like for weeks they'd been building towards this tag title match with Natalia and Tamina, and it looks like we're, we're not even going to get there. There really isn't a point now. Uh, to do it. And I guess the next question is um, with Dana Brooke, how do they shift her around? I get, you know, does she get thrown into another team? Is she just on her own on raw? So uh, those questions, I guess we will see on programming in the weeks to come. And then in regards to NXT over the next couple of weeks, there's going to be um, the, it's, it's going to be uh, shuffled around a bit. It appears that the program is going to be airing on, on sci-fi for July 27th and august 4th and now next week um they are going to be doing a live show on tuesday and then i was told that on the wednesday uh, they're going to be taping both the july 27th and august 4th episodes so that's uh, apparently what the schedule is going to be uh for next week and uh pw insider had reported on this so it looks like the olympics are going to have some impact on NXT at least on the USA network and it looks like two weeks where it will be taped for the twenty seventh and August fourth. Uh but Tuesday night's episode, uh this coming from Brandon Thurston, did seven hundred and five thousand viewers, a point one nine in the eighteen to forty nine demo, which uh was their best eighteen to forty nine number since June eighth and best viewership figure since May 4th. So getting out of uh we're not exactly done the NBA finals, but they weren't going against that on on Tuesday. It seems that NXT at least uh, above the seven hundred thousand viewer mark. But what did you think of the episode overall, specifically Karrion Cross and Johnny Gargano, which was the the big match on the show Tuesday?
0: I thought it was a a good episode. Um, obviously not as strong as last week's you know pay per view level type of show, but I thought it was a pretty solid episode. I really like Johnny Wrestling versus Carrying Cross. The match actually went a excuse me, a little bit shorter than I expected, but you know, it felt like it was the Johnny wrestling of old and um building up to a Samoa Joe match like more than ever. I think that was pretty
1: clear. I mean that to me is like there is no doubt now that they are doing Carrying Cross and Samoa Joe.
0: Yeah, and who knows, maybe Samoa Joe and a bunch of other guys too. They're really teasing matches with everybody. What did you think of the match?
1: Um I, I, I liked it. Um you know, it, it was fine. Um, didn't didn't blow me away. Certainly this was um, not at the level of last week's show, but that to me was one of the better NXT episodes this year. Uh, but if fine for what it was, I would say for the rest of it, um, Duke Hudson feels like he is. Uh, Captain America, that is the the exact
0: template that Duke Hudson is going for. Like Steve Rogers or Captain America? uh steve rogers maybe Uh, what just as in like in terms of size or in terms of just uh personality
1: uh i just i just get that whole kind of i think they are taking uh different elements of what they see in drew mcintyre with steve rogers and your combination (laughs) is duke hudson i I was very actually i shouldn't say i was surprised he won but i was uh, i totally thought that uh I-, I was not expecting him
0: to actually win the match. Hmm. Okay. Um. I mean, judging by his size, I think the amount of a uh, you know, um, the amount of time they give him, just the uh, based on his entrance and also what he had last week. I mean, the the, the tall guys are always going to at least get a, a leg up, and especially if you're a tall guy who can have some form of uh, personality. And, you know, are at least is at least decent in the ring. um, You're going to have a lot of chances. So I don't know if I see this guy winning the whole thing, but um I wasn't too surprised that he beat poor Ikiman here. What did you think? Of the I, I think
1: Jiro is great, though. I think he's uh, you know what? You're right that he he really doesn't need this
0: tournament, but he's he's a really enjoyable character. Fun. Yeah, I I mean, I uh, I, I don't know what the ceiling is for a guy like that. You know, beyond maybe, like, kind of being your friendly, like, fun little opening act. But uh, within NXT, you know, we've seen that, like, varying success, uh, you know, as far as how how they can push um, people at that level. So maybe something for him down the line. What did you think of the Cameron Grimes uh, LA Knight skit?
1: I was not surprised that they're – like, Grimes is going to be great in these. I think LA Knight plays off him very well. Um, You know, they're they're very much in in the same style of, you know – David Von Erich and, Jim, and Jimmy Garvin. I mean, it was a classic story in, in World Class where Garvin had to go on to the ranch and pretty much be in in the same role that Grimes is. Uh, they, they were fine for, like, week one. I do worry by the end of seeing three of them on Tuesday night, like, are they going to be able to go to the well week after
0: week with these? Uh, I would say maybe two weeks max. You know, and, and next week needs to be um, even more creative than I would say this week does. But I, I just, I love it whenever they can have wrestlers get out of the arena, you know, rather it be get out of the backstage, like show me how these guys live. And in particular, I actually feel like LA Knight came across really well in these segments. He comes across like, you know, a rather natural actor in these scenarios. And to me, came across like a bigger star just through his presence in, in these uh, sketches. Yeah, Um, Grimes was very funny in them,
1: especially the the callback after, uh, right at the end where he falls in the water. Can I get you a towel, sir? He was very good in these. I I enjoyed Grimes quite a bit. Uh, They briefly explained that uh, Shotzi Blackheart, uh, her contract has been picked up by SmackDown. So that was it. Ember Moon was on her own. And that's it. The team is
0: done. Do you think we even get a mention of Mandy Rose on Monday? No. No, I'm going to guess not. (laughs) Right. It does seem it, like when they make these moves,
1: that's it. They're done. I don't know if we're going to do the usual where you finish up on your other show, even though it would make sense to do so. But
0: it doesn't seem like Tony Storm even will be finishing her up her, her feud with Saray here. You know? That's a great point. There was no mention of Tony Storm here. Yeah, well, they mentioned her briefly like in the back, but basically it was like um, she's gone, you know, like it was Gigi Dolan setting up the challenge to Saray and then ultimately losing and then we had Mandy Rose actually come out to scout, so maybe Mandy Rose picking up where um uh um uh, uh was it um oh man I forget her Tony Storm left off.
1: Yeah, I mean maybe we'll we'll just have Mandy Rose. I it certainly seems she's going to be injected into that story with you know Jesse Kamea, Frankie Monet, and Robert Stone. Whatever they're going to do there, or maybe they'll just have Mandy scouting different people. You don't really know what she's going to be doing in NXT and then
0: shoot the angle with her uh, in time. Just go out there and look. You know, that's basically what you can do with anybody if you don't know what you're going to do story-wise for him yet. Um, what, what we did get a tease of was uh, the next challenger for Raquel Gonzalez in Zia Lee. Yeah, they're going to do that next week. Um, they
1: announced that. They announced Kashida and Bobby Fish against Roderick Strong and Tyler Rust. And though we don't have a date, uh, it looks like Adam Cole's got Bronson Reed and they pretty much made it pretty clear that they're going to get to the rubber match between Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly. So the race mm-hmm. is on to see who has more matches this year, Cole and O'Reilly or Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier. So the injury might put wow. a halt to uh, Poirier Poirier McGregor getting another one in this year.
0: Yeah. Wow. It would be quite the year, a whole trilogy of fights within the span of a year in MMA. I, that, that feels incredibly rare.
1: If they were not hurt, I think that, well, I mean, the fact that there was the injury, I think that that, that very much leaves the door open to do the next fight. Although um, the figure that's being reported, I think that blasts the door open as their reason to uh, continue that because uh, the number out there uh, that John Orrand has is 1.8 million buys for UFC 264, which had an ast- uh, just an astonishing 500,000 or at least close to it. Uh, in international buys, which is just like unheard of when you hear the amount of buys they did internationally, but that's that's about almost one point three that they did on ESPN Plus. So this is bigger than the second fight. The question would be, way would the fourth fight top this number? Do you think, or do you think this this is the peak
0: number that McGregor and Poirier could do? It's an interesting question because, you know, I would argue that um, more people are even aware of this rivalry coming out of this one. And, uh, you know, the rather graphic nature that that it ended. So you might spark some more curiosity. But on the other hand, I mean, are people going, you know, going to see this as much of a as balanced of a match as maybe, you know, this last one was when they do it again? Um, And will that deter people? My gut tells me that it'll do better. Like I think Connor fighting is still a spectacle and if you give people enough of a story to want to watch him, you know, avenge a loss, even if his chances may not be realistic, I think people will still want to watch it.
1: Yeah, I think it I think it's still gonna be gigantic. Even if it comes up short of this number, you're still talking about one of the biggest fights in UFC history. And we will
0: talk it up. Like even he more so will. Than this
1: time. I guess my argument would be that Connor against just about anyone and you have no shortage of people, especially if you were to include welterweight, that's going to have that attention and doing another fight with Dustin Poirier and a similar outcome, which is what I'm very confident would happen. Like over time, is there an accumulation that is going to impact Connor McGregor in the eyes of a lot of people that do we protect Connor in the sense of not so much protect, but to me, this, this next fight with Dustin, it's about a foregone conclusion like we have got the answer to this puzzle is there a better business reason to put him against somebody else that at least it's a new opponent and more of a winnable fight for conor mcgregor that long term is going to be more impactful
0: you know but in mma you never know you know you could put him. no it's not a guarantee but
1: i would say it's about as close to a guarantee that this this fight this rivalry is not
0: turning around for conor mcgregor when i say you never know i actually meant if you put conor into a lesser opponent he could still lose he could yeah and that's that's the question we don't know he's had so much
1: inactivity that against a number five or six lightweight is it is conor is has the game caught up to him like he Mm -hmm. he's still a high level striker and i think you can still see that in the opening minutes but um you know his his best strikes have not been able to finish Dustin Poirier, and I don't think that
0: this is the Conor McGregor of several years ago. I believe there is audience interest in a rematch, and you know by putting Conor against somebody else and having him lose, you you risk being further away from that rematch. So why not make the obvious money you can right now? And uh, to me, like I think Conor is going to be the type of combat sports athlete that'll still do incredible numbers even with a a losing record, or at least um not as not as good of a record as he used to have so i i say do this rematch. are you aware of the bet that has been made between
1: jake paul and tyron woodley oh no please tell me so at tuesday's press conference jake paul put tyron woodley on the spot he said hey if you're so confident woodley let's agree now that if i beat you you have to get i love jake paul tattooed on you and you have to put it out on your instagram and if i if i lose i will get i love tyron woodley tattooed on me and put it on my instagram and dude woodley was you you could tell woodley was like uh, (laughs) i don't know if i want to make this bad he just goes to the he's like to the crowd what do you think jake's like come on you're you don't have any confidence in yourself and tyron's like Okay, it's on. Oh, my god. you agree? He had to. He had to agree to it. He was put on dude. the spot on the stage in front of everyone. And it's like, dude, Tyron Woodley can win this fight. It is not out of the is realm of possibility.
0: The, is he the underdog? I think he is.
1: I haven't looked at the odds lately. I think when the fight was announced, he was the underdog. But, dude, Jake Paul towers over this guy. He is much taller than I envisioned him being. And for all you want to say, like, Tyron Woodley... Very good striker in MMA. This guy's not done boxing. And it's... You know,
0: this is still a level above Ben Askren. But, I mean, I wouldn't be taking that bet. Okay, so um, I'm just looking at an article from the 21st. So the odds may have changed by now. But um, as of the 21st, Paul was a minus 138 to Woodley's plus 100. So, I mean, very close. But still, yeah, if, if a tattoo was on the line. Woodley had to take it. Come on. Please. Like... Uh, did did they say where they have to get tattooed? I think they can choose. I don't think they specified where it has to be. Like it could be like this tiny, like on the bottom of my foot. Like that would count.
1: I guess that will be the. That'd uh, be mean, a week, week. I mean, he could now. he could have really put it up and said, you know, block <laughs> letters, Times New Roman on your chest. Yeah,
0: multiple colors. You know, <laughs> you. I mean, Jesus, like these guys are these Paul brothers are like really excellent at this game cuz they've got me interested in this ridiculous ridiculous men fight just for for a stupid reason like that um great awesome it's entertainment yeah the
1: other the other thing that Jake Paul has done is that he you know the image of Conor McGregor where he gets beat and he's got his hand up next to his head this is when he lost to Poirier the second time yes or he lost the fight in January uh huh so this image of Connor down on the ground with his hand onto his head Jake Paul got a $100,000 necklace made with this with this image and he's going to give it to Dustin Poirier to I guess auction for his his foundation.
0: Wow, okay. Um nice. You de- you definitely have to see this. I'm looking at this necklace. It is quite the incredible piece of jewelry. Your your search uh, ability
1: is very
0: quick uh, i type jake paul necklace and it's right there man uh that is hilarious um yeah honestly i'm the more i hear about these paul brothers the more i go from completely being disgusted that they are at all involved in in the combat sports world to um having a great amount of respect for their promoting abilities uh this was really creative whatever all this stuff it's 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 on the one hand completely obnoxious, but on the other hand, very effective, which is I mean, look at look at their YouTube careers. Exactly. I, th- that. I think you're going to end up watching this fight. I think you will probably there's a good chance. Yeah, sure. it's a Sunday night boxing card again. Yeah. Wow. Well, we gave it plenty of promotion on to our audience on this show. We clearly have.
1: And the last thing here is uh, several fights that have been made for the September pay-per-view for UFC 266. It's going to feature two title fights. They're going to do Alexander Volkanovsky and Brian Ortega, who were supposed to fight in March, and then Volkanovsky got COVID. And they delayed the fight, allowing both to be the coaches of the current season of The Ultimate Fighter uh, that I know you're following each week, Way, And so the fight will now happen September 25th in Vegas. The other title fight is Valentina Shevchenko against Lauren Murphy. And, I mean, Murphy will be a big underdog in that fight, but she's also won a number of fights. Uh, I believe she's won her last five to get this title fight. But the big fight is going to be a five-round non-title fight between Nick Diaz and Robbie Lawler that we talked about the other night uh, that appears to be official now. Uh, a rematch that... <laughs> the first fight occurred in April of 2004.
0: 2004. Wow. How old was uh, Julia Hart? Julia Hart would have been two years old. <laughs> two or three? Two. Two? She, okay. She was born in late 2001, <laughs> I believe. This is how we measure time here at Post
1: Wrestling Now. Is she it, was uh, two years old, and now yeah. she's on national television with AEW. It's insane. Wow. That's crazy. That That fight, dude, took place... Uh, three weeks after Wrestlemania 20 wow it was the first Tito Chuck fight That's they were on the undercard a long time wow. no, a long time ago alright all of your news can be found at postwrestling.com we're now moving on over to Fighter Fest night one of two from my favorite wrestling city in the world Cedar Park Texas at the HEB Center I think there were over 4,500 people here at this show. They announced it as a sellout. Uh, this was one of the best crowds of the year. This was unbelievable. Can we say the best crowd of the year? Like, how I'm fine saying that. With? I was just hedging my bets here but because the they're, year's not over. There well, were competing. so many people on this show that
0: felt like the biggest stars in wrestling. I'm just trying to think who they're competing with. I mean, it's not much, uh, much of a contest, is it?
1: You know, the first half of Double or Nothing was pretty incredible at Daily's Place. Yeah, but
0: you can't give an award to half
1: a crowd. You know, this crowd was here from start to finish. They were pretty Mm -hmm. great. I mean, they they dipped a little um, at certain points in the show, but pretty much this was a red-hot crowd. And it was... This was such a fun two-hour show.
0: For the next pandemic, they need to just record this audio, save this audio, save all these MP3s so that you can get ready.
1: Yes. They should be... uh, they could can this and use it the next time Hulk Hogan causes Sid to be eliminated, and the crowd cheers for Sid, or the next time Hulk Hogan, Hulk Hogan appears. Period. Live, <laughs> you might yeah, you might want to bottle this. Uh, so we got off to a big start uh, with the John Moxley Carl Anderson IWGP United States Championship match. And Moxley is the first one out,
0: which I thought was a, a smart play here to start the broadcast with. As Moxley, to me, it makes it an obvious choice to put these IWGP US title matches up front at the top. Number one, I mean, it's another promotion's title, so I don't think it makes sense to put it in your main event. But number two, it's John Moxley holding it. He's got uh, one of the best entrances in the arena or in the in the roster. He's got um, a, it's a great way to showcase the audience. And he's arguably your biggest star in the company to catch people on right at eight o'clock. So a great choice for, for your first match.
1: He comes out to wild thing. Eddie Kingston's with him. The place is going electric, which was just a signal of things to come on this broadcast. Kingston attacks gallows on the floor with a pipe and takes him out through the crowd. So they disappear for the rest of it. And they do note that it's New Japan rules. So we have a 60 minute time limit and a 20 count. Uh, 60 they didn't... minute limit that's a bit generous
0: you know <laughs> 60 minutes you're gonna feel we're about to match? give new japan an hour of their broadcast <laughs> is that i guess is because it it's a title match like does every new japan yeah. title match have a 60 minute limit yeah even the fucking never uh six man tag even the kopw championship is a 60 minute limit well the u.s title for
1: sure so they were uh, wow. they were get, All right. they were they were very liberal with the time they allotted, and they were also liberal with one of the counts when they were on the floor. I think it I counted to two hundred. Might have been a sixty-minute count. It might have been. Um, they had an actual fried Takayama spot here, unlike uh, Stephen Thompson and uh, Gilbert Burns on Saturday. Uh, they fought on the ramp where Moxley took a suplex. Uh, this is where they were on the floor for just forever. Um, there was a superplex by Moxley.
0: Like they were, they were on the floor for so long. I thought for sure they were going to do the New Japan twenty count tease, where like they, they, the, the crowd chants along. Like AEW doesn't have an announcer do the counting for them, but like, you know, the crowd was counting along because I think the crowd found it a novelty that this was a twenty count, and so I thought for sure they were going to do the last minute tease, which is like kind of your almost like a cliche New Japan thing. But it would have been fun. But I was almost disappointed when like he went back in at like fourteen, fifteen. So
1: Moxley got a bloody nose in all of this. He fakes a takedown to apply a sleeper. Uh, the paradigm shift gets blocked, and Anderson takes a discus forearm, but then hits the gun stun and a TKO, getting a two count. He goes for a top rope gun stun. It's blocked, short arm clothesline, and since this is a New Japan match, Death Rider for the win in 9 minutes and 40 seconds, with John Moxley retaining
0: pretty good opening match very high energy i you know they didn't overdo it with the kickouts which i thought is was is perfect for an opening match uh, i thought carl anderson did really well you know this might have been like the most high profile singles match he's had since leaving the wwe and maybe even if you include the wwe to be quite honest um i thought he did really well you know it's like he was there's a very high standard for for singles wrestlers and for opening match singles wrestlers in aew and I thought he definitely lived up to it. It was a fun match. Very enjoyable match. I mean, the crowd,
1: like, you couldn't not be into this match. It was just such a red-hot crowd. It was Moxley's first match back since the pay-per-view. Just everything worked really well here, and they had they had a really nice match. Did the shaved head work for you? I, you know what? I Like, you can notice it, but I don't think it was, like, that jarring a difference from
0: the regular look of Moxley. Yeah, we're talking maybe an inch off, you know? But I think it works for him, you know. The man is a dad now. He can afford to, to you know, look a little bit older. It's fine. Still, still a badass. Yeah, he's a. It's called a dad bald. Yes. yes. Lance
1: Archer, Lance Archer is in the back. He addresses Moxley, who took that title from him on January fourth of last year. Moxley's beaten Kenta Suzuki Nagata, but it's time for a rematch. We had a Texas death match. I want another one next week. One of us won't be standing by the end of it. So a pretty simple challenge laid out, and they happen to be in Texas next
0: week. So geographically, this makes sense. I love it. I think it's still... Even though like this Forbidden Door... I mean, I hate to even use the term anymore, um, but it's it's just... It's been forbidden Door all. has become my, the new WWE universe to me.
1: It just sounds like a very... <laughs> um, Term that has been very commercialized, and it just feels like a. We should just acknowledge like the fact that it, it just Would feels like. Would you like, like a to use something else? Now. Would you like us to replace it? The clear working relationship, the very open working <laughs> yeah. agreement, where we're sending talent back and forth.
0: How about like the reversible window, or like the uh, <laughs> the two way mirror, uh, the, um, you know, the. The flap. <laughs> uh anyway. I I think it's still really awesome. You know, like you have Lance Archer here who the guy leaves one company to sign with another company, yet somehow in a roundabout way can still rely on the same story that he built with this guy over two years or a year and a half ago to tell the rematch for this same title. It's it's so weird and it's so awesome. It's it, you know, this this new Japan AEW relationship feels Like it's a truly kind of at least, at least on the AEW show, it feels like it's actually um, not just now, you know, strictly New Japan signed wrestlers, but other wrestlers that can compete for the title with New Japan histories.
1: And Excalibur even snuck the history into the commentary during the match, noting that it's ironic we're here in Texas because it was a Texas death match in Japan where Moxley won this title. So you already you, you've you got that planted in your head, in the back of your mind, that it naturally segues into this promo and yeah. made the match. Like, and they're Excal- very good at giving you a reason for a match. Even tonight, they just throw out the stat that Christian Cage has never
0: beaten Matt Hardy in a singles match. So I, I think they are very good, but I think in particular, Excalibur is really good. Um, I mean, I'm sure that maybe there are people actually helping them do some of this research, but I know a lot of this, at least for this New Japan match, is probably all Excalibur. You really can't ask for a better person to, to call a match like this. <laughs> They're like, Okay,
1: Chris Harrington, uh, can you please open up your Excel sheet and tell us uh, when these two people have ever had a match? We need a story for this match for next week. Give us some, give us some algorithm that leads us to a story behind this match.
0: Cage match is a great resource as well. I'm it is too, bad.
1: yes. Uh, Alex Abrahantus is with Andrade, and he has been given permission to kick down the Forbidden Door and win titles anywhere. Andrade asked, where is the Death
0: Triangle? I'm looking for them. He is, yeah. Which puts uh Alex of course in a in a tough spot because he is uh Kenta or sorry, Penta not Kentas. Penta's oh, there's uh, there, that'll be a hell of a match for them to call. Uh, Kenta versus Penta, sure. With we'll throw Muro in there, you can have two game overs, yeah. And then out comes Selena Della Renta. Wow. Book it. Sure, why not? And they they should form a trio against Cage Page and <laughs> one of the C- pages. Anyway, um This was a subtitled backstage interview with Andrade. How do you think it, uh, you know, helped or didn't? What did you think? It was fine. It was a backstage promo. It was one of many on this show, but
1: I wouldn't say one of the memorable ones. Um, I don't know. Andrade has just lacked a spark for me thus far in the AEW run. I mean, I'm not grading a whole lot into this. This was, you know, a... 60 second spot backstage and at least gives us a direction of where he's going and when you look at those options like andrade paired with penta or phoenix once he's ready to come back or pack i mean sign me up i mean those are all great uh combinations so i mean at least it's pointing you in a direction that i would
0: imagine people are interested in reviews I mean, weren't really strong for his debut match last week um but we know what special, special. Yeah, We know what this guy is capable of. I don't really kind of put too much stock into that one single match. Um, I know when you pair this guy enough up with the talent that is on this roster, he's going to create, you know, magic eventually at some point. Did you find it notable that Vicky wasn't a part of this? She was not there. But again, we that's not the first time we've had an Andrade segment where
1: she's absent. I mean, same with the sit down. So I don't read anything into that because, you know, we've seen – it's weird it's he he still had the the assistant but yeah no vicky Hmm. i
0: think they're on their way to breaking it up personally you know
1: they could i mean it's that does not that combination has you know we've we've seen it enough times that i don't think it's really jumping out at people and you know if does he necessarily need the mouthpiece as well
0: he's got subtitles now don't really
1: FTW Championship, Brian Cage against Ricky Starks. Uh, Ricky Starks um, lives in nearby Austin, Texas, which is pretty much like right adjacent to where they are. So he was incredibly popular to this crowd. Taz is on commentary, and this is Starks' first match back since his neck injury. Uh, So he hasn't wrestled since April. Starks snaps the arm of Cage as they imply that he is going after previously injured body parts of Cage. And we went through the picture-in-picture crowd is chanting, Ricky's awesome, and we got some spectacular stuff here. There's a pump-handle face buster to Starks, and he gets his foot on the rope, and the crowd, they just go nuts. They just want to see Ricky Starks survive this monster. Uh, Starks eats a hard super kick for a two-count, and then takes Cage out of the corner with a last ride. Starks and grabs the FTW belt, but Hobbs pulls it away and Starks turns around into an F5 for a huge near fall. It's like this whole crowd, they're giving Starks, as soon as he gets hit with something, they're out. They're like, there's no way. So then they go mental when he finally uh, kicks out and then hook distracts Bryce. And from there, Hobbs is the one who nails cage with the belt shot, allowing Starks to hit a spear and this crowd explodes at the count of three as Ricky
0: Starks wins the wins the title. You know it's going to be kind of difficult for me to criticize anything uh, on this show because the crowd was really elevating any match to just a next level like spectacle. Um, I'm trying to just like maybe base my assessment on how good was this in ring, and I think this match was really good. Um, and the crowd, you know, being right there with it, just kind of elevated that very good to perhaps even a great, it was a tremendous return to form for uh, Ricky Starks. And, um, I will say maybe, you know, the, the swerve that they were working here with Hobbs pretending to, you know, be on the side of a fair fight and then ultimately screwing Brian cage. I wasn't really so shocking given how long they've been dragging this Brian cage defection from FTW. But I'm happy to see the story move along. I want to see now a Brian Cage who's pissed off and up for revenge, taking down the rest of FTW, maybe with his own associates.
1: Yeah, I mean, this on paper probably wouldn't jump out. But this was one instance where the crowd just made Ricky Starks feel like a superstar on the on this show. It was uh, an enormous reaction and one that I don't think too many people would have been expecting Starks to win this and the fact that he did I think he just had such an an electric crowd that elevated that moment significantly that this didn't feel like th- this to me was uh by leaps and bounds like the most uh impressive moment involving the FTW title in this AEW reign and not to say there was much competition for that but that distinction goes to this Ricky Starks win
0: hard to disagree
1: Excalibur reflects on Malachi Black last week. Not the man I used to know. They so still com- call him Tommy End. So yeah, I mean, they, it was but, like on this show, his name was Tommy End, comma Malachi Black.
0: I, I think he is. He still his real life name is Tommy End, and he is just uh, being possessed by Malachi Black. You know, like the feed that type of thing. All right. So his
1: so. Where to believe Tommy End is now his his given name, on his birth certificate.
0: Yes. Yeah, they're not calling him Tom Budgen. Is that is that his real yeah, name? Yeah, that's his name. <laughs> yeah, no, they. Re- is Excalibur's old friend, the guy he recognized, is Tommy End. You know, the guy who Cody recognized before is Tommy End. But this dude, this this thing that just showed up is Malachi Black. Okay, that's the guy they don't want. Gotcha. So Cody storms out to the broadcaster's area
1: and addresses Tommy end comma Malachi. He understands wanting to be a franchise player, but we don't kick 62 year old men in the head. That's where we draw the line. And he goes, he gets the microphone. He explains, I don't win every fight, but I want to fight you. And he tells black to answer his challenge because he feels like fighting and the lights go out. This place is going nuts. And there is Malachi black, black, Hyphen, Tommy end in the in the dark room and we've got Smoke. the dark room is back the dark room is it. back
0: yes wasn't yeah I, I i mean they're really just like transitioning i mean it's a slightly elevated version of Alistair black but it really it really is the same character and you can't really put a trademark on a dark room nor the last name black so he's able to retain a whole lot okay so Storytime drew
1: has not been way's favorite but we got Storytime Black, who told us the tale. I once saw a man with a horse and killed the horse. And he explained that this was his prized stallion. But one day, the man woke up, and he looked at the horse, and it just wasn't the same horse. It had become a cripple. And he let the horse go with dignity. He took the horse out. He fed the horse its favorite treats, and then put a bag over its head. And here we are, Cody. I looked in your eyes, and it just wasn't there anymore. So this guy is alluding to, he is going to put a bullet in Cody's head, essentially. And this is when the lights go out, and then he appears in the ring, and this crowd is just, oh my god, it's the guy who was on the screen... It's Malachi Black and Tommy End in the ring. And then they had this awesome pull apart, this crowd red hot, which I have already said like five times. And we're only at like the third segment on the show. But this turned into a really great segment. I recap that story. That is a tribute to Alistair's delivery. I do not think it came off badly, but it was a story that very easily could have been uh, a Drew McIntyre
0: icky, tricky story. <laughs> I've, you know, I've done enough podcasts with you to realize, like, the effect of the John Pollock filter. Like, you just, you can make ev- anything sound hilarious, okay? And, and so, sometimes it's not, sometimes it is a real great, uh, um I think, a assessment of the actual thing itself. But in this case, you're right, okay? What you made sound kind of funny was, in broadcast form, actually, I thought really cool. I was a big fan of here of, of uh, Storyteller Black. Um, it, it was an effective story. It was a cool sounding story. And I mean, it, it was a nice way to kind of direct the crowd's attention away from the ring before the, the, the appearance A detail. I really loved was first of all, Cody coming out, storming into the broadcast and talking directly to the camera with a headset. I love that shit. Like that felt like something his dad would do. It felt urgent. It felt attention grabbing. Um, it was great. And then when these sorry, could you imagine Dusty cutting the promo on behalf of that horse to Malachi Black? Oh, maybe. Could you imagine him? What would he say?
1: Conjuring, conjuring that soul of that horse, who had so much life left in him. Were you gonna kill that horse? I say nay.
0: Fuck, (laughs) dude, it would have been amazing. God damn, wow, you're on tonight. Holy shit, that was great. But um, <laughs> Now I want to see Dusty feud with Malachi Black. Th- please, sign me up. Oh, God. Another detail I really loved was once these two started brawling, you recognize what Cody is wearing. Cody wore all white today for a reason, because he knew he was going up against the guy who was going to dress in all black. So these two, their brawl looked like a spinning yin-yang, yin-yang symbol. It was great. Just awesome. When do you want to see this match? What do you think is
1: the optimal... Like, this was a big angle tonight, as, as was last week. Uh,
0: what what do you think is the time frame on this? Well, I think, what is it? What are we talking about? Uh, Labor Day? I mean, oh, man. I, I, think- I, I think that's too long
1: at this point of what they've already done. I mean, we had the big pull-apart today. I mean, um, I don't know if you could hold it off that long. Like, this is big enough. You could certainly do it at the pay-per-view. I would want to make Black's first match a big deal, but I can't imagine them... Go in many more weeks until you've kind of got to do the match now.
0: I mean, the next real big pole show feels like it would be the debut of Rampage, which is exactly a month away, mm-hmm. uh, on the 13th. So that might be a good one to, you know, have them touch for the first time in ring, uh, in, in the body of a match itself. But I definitely see this feud lasting until All Out. Yeah, you could promote it as Black Friday. <laughs> oh my goodness. I'm just going to exit this room. Wow. They should be
1: listen to this podcast with a pen and paper. I'm just giving out free ideas tonight. So great segment here. I thought it worked really well. We go to the back. Tully Blanchard is accompanied with his red sequined jacket and he runs into Santana and Ortiz and Tully like tosses his luggage at Ortiz. And then they're about to nail him with a crowbar. And I guess they explain it's not real, but next time it will. This totally looked like a legit crowbar. And then Tully explained that he's going to get his boys. So we are another match that we are, are are holding off for some time to eventually do this FTR Santana or Ortiz match that they're, I think, really trying to milk this one to extend it until they pull the trigger.
0: So we learned today that it's in AEW, we don't kick 62-year-old men. <laughs> but we threaten them with crowbars. That's fine. That's intimidation. Okay, right. As long as the crowbar is fake, I guess. That, that is great that we went from that segment to this one yeah no oh. it was cool you know it's like they, they're they just they're baby faces that are um intimidating the you know asshole <laughs> manager of the tag team who you know has always attacked them from behind so sure why not
1: the next segment sees tony Schiavone bring out hangman page and he is just so popular here He says that since day one, he wanted to be AEW champion. He came so close, but he failed. And I tried to run from it. But the Dark Order is right. I still need that championship. And I am here to officially challenge. And Don Callis cuts him off and comes out with the elite superheat for this group coming out. And they are all equally dressed to be shittier than the one next to them. You
0: think these outfits will sell as much as the uh, Bullet Club shirts?
1: Um, I don't know. The, these Young Bucks, uh, like short overalls that they were wearing, there are nuts that would totally buy these, yes. They say they all take turns saying that Paige is just not that guy. And Matt takes the microphone, goes into the ring, saying that Paige abandoned us for a bunch of losers. And your breath indicates that you're still hitting the bottle. You're a sad and lonely drunk. And you are going to be the next great wrestling tragedy. And Paige nails Matt. And he he has his back turned. Omega is winding up behind him with the belt. When the Dark Order chases off Omega and all of the elite. Paige gets on the mic. He wants Omega tonight. Omega says, what do you think this is? Some hot shot. Overnight booking sensation. No, no, no. He suggests a five-on-five elimination match. Page agrees, but if they win this elimination match, he gets Omega for the title, and the Dark Order will get tag titles, uh, the tag title shot against the Young Bucks. Huge cowboy shit chant, and Omega says, well, in exchange, if we win, none of you get title shots. And he ends by telling Page that, yes, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take, But you also don't fail. And isn't that what you're afraid of, Paige? And then says, instead of cowboy shit, they're going to start chanting belt collector. (laughs) Belt collector. (laughs) I thought that was hilarious. There wasn't a person in this arena that tried to chant this. And Paige says, they don't back down and we're on. So I don't know when this match is happening. They did not not state when this would happen. But we are going to do a five-on-five elimination match. This was uh, – I thought that what they have right now with Hangman Page is very reminiscent to me of a decade ago of what the WWE was sitting on with CM Punk. That's how hot I think Hangman Page feels at this moment.
0: Interesting. Wow. Um, I love the segment – You know, Page's energy when he came out here was, even without the crowd, just judging about his demeanor, I thought he was so strong. He came in here with so much intensity when he even first attempted to deliver that challenge. He has confidence. He has fire. And it's those two things that this crowd has been waiting for from this character for so long. They did a great job of, I think, condensing and recapping Page's story up until now in those few lines. And Kenny, I thought in his promo, really hit on the core point of the character. He is a man, Hangman Pages, who has been struggling with his inner confidence ever ever since he lost that belt or, or that title match against Chris Jericho at the first All-Out. I really also enjoyed the back-and-forth negotiation to get to the match and the stipulations involved. So often it's just like... I challenge you to a match or Teddy Long comes out. You're going to have a five on five match tonight. And if you lose, you get a title shot. And if you win, you lose like for no, no reason whatsoever, or, or at least like very kind of sloppily put together reasons here. We actually had the participants of the match logically build and negotiate back and forth to get to the end result with these stipulations. So both sides now have something to gain and they have something to lose. Uh, and arguably, when you look at the uh, like what's what's on what's you know being offered here, Paige arguably has the most to lose. He is going to possibly lose his world championship title match if one of his you know uh, friends would take a pinfall. But because the man is such a good loyal guy, because he is now working on on him, his his own confidence and the ability to overcome it, he is willing to take that risk because you know why? Because he's now not afraid to fail. That to me is a great showcase of a hero persevering through his biggest fear. So this segment was fantastic. Page is really like you compare and contrast this page from where he was two years ago. And in two years, AEW strictly through their TV. I mean, this man's performance as well as well. But they've turned this guy from merely a challenger that nobody really kind of like took too seriously against Chris Jericho to definitely the company's next top baby face who's on deck. So it, it really is remarkable. And I hope they can really maintain this momentum or even grow it all the way until September. There's so much you can do with what
1: they've laid out here. Like just the added stipulation that page inserted to try and help his friends get a tag title match out of this. So he's not just fighting for his own championship shot. Mm-hmm. He's fighting for his friends. Like that's a cool dynamic, um, how they do this match and structure it of how much or how little you have with omega and page like you don't want to give too much of that away um th- there's so much interesting stuff to all of this um and and how you ultimately eliminate one of them in the match like this is yeah. not some 5 on 5 where it's just okay we're going to have the weakest link take the fall like you're doing an elimination match which requires like omega you there's two ways of thinking like the obvious one is that you know, Paige just they wins this, sets up the the match. And that's very likely what they could do unless they want to further detour Paige and he's got to work another way around to get to this title match. But maybe that's overthinking things that this can just be... Because if, if they were going to do this match next week that I thought is what they were leading to, I mean, it's so early that you could still do some kind of he comes close and something messes up. And it's like that scene in the movie where he's starting to... And he's starting to improve and then boom, something
0: catastrophic occurs. Um, But we don't know when this match is happening either. I'm predicting there'll probably be the week after Fighter Fest. Um, Just maybe trying to think. Like it would be a a little awkward to like even next week say, in two weeks we're going to get this. You know, I think that's almost uh, like announcing it way too early. I think two weeks is about the maximum that you can really kind of delay an announcement before it gets really cold. It also uh, probably has to be a very long match.
1: Give give me at least a half hour of this. You know what I I think it has minutes? to go at least I, I could see it going thirty to forty. Like the It'll fact they're doing hot. elimination and I don't think they're gonna do just you know, your Survivor
0: series and we do uh, nine eliminations in twenty minutes. Oh, man, you have like war, war Games level stakes attached to something like this. I, I def- And this feud is hot enough to warrant, you know, like 30, 40 minute match on, on TV. So absolutely give me that. Um, I, I feel like they, you know, when the match occurs, I mean, it's got to be Paige and the Dark Order winning. Because number one, the alternative means you don't get those two matches. So you kind of lose out on that. And secondly, I feel like it's a pretty foregone conclusion to everybody that we're going to see Paige and in, in Omega. So why delay the inevitable, you know? Yeah, it's just
1: like once you do this match, it's like the match is locked and we are t- I mean, we're we're getting close. Like it's it's not like all out is that long away, but we we are
0: talking what, 6-7 weeks. Yeah. Don't don't forget, you know, Rampage will be around too, so that's extra TV time that yep. you know, see see a bit more presence from from them as well, but I you know, at this point it's just like they it's 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 already boiling. Like it's already like So hot. So can they keep it up or can they even build it? Mm -hmm. And you've sold out the venue as well. Wow. Yeah.
1: Marvez is in the back with Chris Jericho to go over the five labors of Jericho. And that MJF is a learned and intelligent man who uses Greek mythology to get what he wants. I don't think in my lifetime I have ever heard the term that guy uses Greek mythology to really get what he wants. He really knows how to manipulate that Greek mythology.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know, if the Greeks have done it, it, it 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 just kind of bolsters your case. You can convince anything using Greek mythology.
1: But MJF should know that after Hercules bested the Sarabes and Hydra. Did I butcher that? Uh, you're asking the wrong dude, man. Cerebus, that he won, and Hercules got what he wanted. And that's exactly what's going to happen with Jericho, who doesn't care if MJF throws Superman, Black Panther, or resurrects Muhammad Ali, because Jericho will knock Muhammad Ali out. Jericho will walk through fire and run across broken glass, which might be what the stipulation builds up to. To ruin MJF's life, just like MJF tried to ruin his, because I am the god of thunder and the god of war, but not the god of peripheral vision, because, boom, Sean Spears enters the room and nails this dude in the throat with a chair. Always
0: lock the door when you're cutting a promo. Always. mm. The god of peripheral vision, was that, like, Norse mythology or Roman, like... What was
1: that? Th- that's in the uh that's the uh the the select editions that only o- only a Testament. few Yeah, only a few curriculums really went into the the god of peripheral vision. So Chris Jericho has just uh lost his trachea and MJF sits down on the couch and announces that the first labor is against Sean Spears next week, where the stipulation is that Sean Spears can use a chair but Jericho cannot. And then they just drill him in the left arm
0: with the chair as Jericho is left for dead here. Yeah, just a good little teaser for next week. It gives you a sense of some of the types of uh, stipulations and odds that Jericho is going to face. Um, you know, I'm, I'm I'm interested to see like what creative ways they can have Jericho find himself like out of these tough scenarios. Um, I hope the match delivers. How much
1: merchandise do they get out of this Greek mythology motif that they are heavily investing
0: in? I don't know <laughs> um I don't know what what they could possibly do um I don't really think of Greek mythology when I think of uh I feel like historical. Jericho's
1: going to have like some some pendant that he gets for every victory. And it's going to be like, like Jericho's just all in on this whole thing. And this is going to be like his infinity stones. He needs to collect to cash in against MJF. Well, he does have the alpha club already. Yeah. So he could go through all the letters up next was Matt Hardy against Christian cage, where once again, Christian has never beaten Matt Hardy in a singles match, which sounds crazy. Until you realize that they have not had many singles matches. I could find uh, two singles matches that these two have had in their lives. Wow. And Sad. they occurred in August of 2001 and December of 2003. With a three-way with Eddie Guerrero at Backlash in 2001. However, Matt Hardy won all three of those.
0: So how 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 much did their paths actually cross after um, Christian went to TNA? After TNA, like, nothing. Yeah, they haven't... Like,
1: like, all of their matches are pretty much condensed to that 99 through, I would say, 2003, 2004 period. Like, they were not even... I think they were on Raw for a time together. Like, it's not like they were on separate brands after the brand split the whole time. But, I mean, all the matches that they had, a
0: huge amount of it is concentrated when they were all in tag matches. So I guess it's not... This is not really... This is a bit of a fresh feud. It's 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 really. I mean, we align their their names so much. I mean, because of the tag team feud, but you know, just it just feels like they both have had pretty consistent presences over the past twenty years.
1: They never overlapped in TNA because um, hmm. Christian was gone by the time Matt Hardy got there the one time in two thousand eleven, and then came back years later. Like Christians in WWE, that that whole time on his second stint. And then back in WWE, they, I mean, Christian was gone by, what was his last match, 20, 20, 2014, 2015, and Matt Hardy's in TNA still at that time. So when he, when Matt comes back with Jeff, Christian's already, like, it, uh, he's not wrestling at that point. So kind mm-hmm. of that whole second half, like post 2005, there there really is no uh, time that they both are on the same active roster together until now cool so we see christian cage hit this huge high cross to the floor and then hardy grabs christian and hits a draping ddt on the steps and proceeds to catapult cage's throat into the bottom rope they go through the commercial break Uh, hardy is staggering up after a twist of fate is countered and hardy avoids a spear christian tries again hits it hits the frog splash, and then we pass the 10-minute mark. And JR just says how much he loves that we have time limits in AEW, which it sounds like an odd thing to say in the middle of a match. Like, I can say that you like the idea that these structures are in place, but if you are just watching this match, why would you be excited about it? These They might run out of time. They might not. We might not get a conclusive end. Like, why would you root for that?
0: I'm trying to think like in a real sport, like if there's a, one league that happened to not have time limits and another one that did have time limits. Baseball. Baseball not, does not have a time limit. Baseball does not have a time limit. Okay. Let's say the National League all of a sudden decided, okay, top, every inning has a 10, 15 minute time limit. Right? Joe
1: Carter up <laughs> facing
0: Mitch Williams. Sorry, we're out of time. <laughs> phillies win
1: <laughs> we gotta go
0: <laughs> oh that would be great yeah would an announcer calling a national like League in the game, context of say. the
1: wrestling show it just doesn't add up that you would be rooting for a time limit as an analyst i totally get like time limits adds can add a lot of drama to the match, okay. and, well, and it adds like a, a system in place
0: well here's the thing okay if it was let's say let's think the baseball example if there was a clock attached to it I mean, players would be taking their at-bats a lot more seriously. You know, the action would be much more fast-paced. The strategy would be totally different than, I think, what, what baseball would be. So for that reason, he could be thankful. And maybe JR in this context is saying, oh, with a time limit, we're going to see a much more faster action. Because these guys are going to take their time with these, you know, long chin locks. Uh, when in matches with no time limit. <laughs> Saved it for you, JR.
1: Well, Matt hit a superplex... Kill switch gets stopped with a low blow by Matt, and he hits the twist of fate. Cage kicks out for a big pop, and then on the floor, Matt applies
0: the leech. The leech.
1: It sounds leech. It sounds
0: a, sounds a bit more devastating than the butterfly lock. What was this in the uh
1: in TNA? What did he call this? The the ice pick or something like that? It was yeah, uh something that. like that. So he has this submission on. He lets go of it, and he's going to take the count-out win, but Christian makes it in at the count of nine, and boom, hits the kill switch and pins Matt Hardy.
0: Yeah, that logic... I know it's sports. Like, you know, knockout blow can occur at any moment in, in a real sport, so a finisher could be delivered at any moment. But yeah, the flow here didn't really make as much sense to me with, like, Matt Hardy as the one who's been recovering this entire time. In-ring, he's fresh. And all of a sudden, this guy barely makes it back in, half dead from a conco- what the leech, and just hits his finisher. How does that work? In a video game, this wouldn't be possible. Because Christian's recuperative
1: abilities was aware, hey, body, time is ticking. We've got a time limit here. It's the time limit. There you and go. That Wolverine recovery strength here to come back mm. from a devastating leech- submission and a boom he wins. It was just hmm. it was very jarring to do the dramatic count out save and then the guy nails his finisher and wins it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, um crowd reacted really well for it, so it's hard for me to criticize because everything Listen, I th- I thought they had a fine professional
1: wrestling match. I didn't have any real complaints uh, about it. It was a little jarring with the finish, but, but I thought both worked really well together for all I think there has been some criticism of this program for how long it's gone, but I I had no issue with the match. It was you know the the audience, in
0: particular Christian. This was among the best reactions Christians gotten in in AEW. Totally agree. I actually thought it was a very good match. You know, admittedly, it, it, man, for whatever reason, it, it just wasn't one I had too much interest in. But I thought the 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 result was a really strong showcase between these veterans. Um, like all of Christian's AEW appearances, I think what stands out about his performances. Is his intelligence in pacing, his ability to really kind of maximize crowd reactions out of everything he's able to do, um, and like I couldn't really hear what Matt Hardy was was doing during commercial, of course. But man, when they came back, this crowd was even harder than they were before. So whatever he he was doing to like brow this crowd up was uh, evidently very effective. So it was a good match and a worthy addition to the show. And a and a congratulations to Matt Hardy and his wife Reby. They just had their fourth child four kids you can do, do, do two tag teams now man he's created right he's got a stable
1: he's, he's got a he's got future members uh, he's got the legit hardy family office
0: yes there you go
1: out came private party on helico and they circle the ring around christian but luchasaurus and jungle boy run out to clear the ring and luchasaurus lifts up cage on his shoulders so potential six man I guess, coming out of this. They need some sort of a
0: dinosaur gimmick for Christian, I think. You well, know. his... uh, What was it?
1: His uncle? One of his ancestors is, is a sure.
0: dinosaur. Yeah, right.
1: Then we had the Miro video. There was once a man who was rich, who had a hot wife that could do the splits. The man was hot too, but he was lost. He was lost because he wasn't being himself. He walked out of his house to look into the void to search for what's next. And then the voice came and said that the man should forgive himself and remember who he was. When you have a title, you have a problem. He was not a selfish man, and he forgave every man he destroyed, and thus he is God's favorite champion. And this is my award. I am the Redeemer. Cool promo. Cool video. Like a, this was like a children's book.
0: Yeah, yeah. They recolored the belt. Do you notice? I didn't notice that. The TNT Tuttle is now on a, bl- a white strap with, uh, like, sort of um, green instead of red. Oh, okay. I thought it looked awesome. I, and I hope they kind of keep this gimmick up. If you win the TNT Tuttle, you get to pick your own colors. Maybe they should make it, like, okay. And then every- you can put out a replica for every new champion. Well, that too.
1: but This is the maybe. game in pro wrestling, folks. New title belts on a consistent basis.
0: Uh, of course, yeah. New, you know, yeah. Like Maybe it should be something that you earn. Like, okay, if you defend the belt five times, you could change the strap color. If you defend it ten times, you can add a little bit of color into the actual metal itself. Shivani brought out Britt Baker. She has no fear of Nyla.
1: Despite the table break a few weeks ago, I'm still the baddest bitch on the block. Nyla has beaten her in the past, and she's high up the food chain, but I'm off the menu.
0: I'm a special order. Uh, I love that line. Awesome. And then she went on to talk about the cha-king sandwich. <laughs> if she did, I wouldn't have been mad, honestly, because like this promo was so good. Her delivery was so good. She goes on, she knows Vicky's
1: watching. You have a last name that will forever keep you relevant in pro wrestling. But Nyla, not so much. She needs this title to be significant in AEW. I'm the hottest thing on in pro wrestling, even without this title. Because even without it, I'm still Dr. Britt Baker. And dude, she doesn't even have to continue the whole crowd. Chance DMD. And we got a brief rebuttal from Vicky and Nyla in the back, where Vicky said her... Days as champion are numbered and Nyla says that Baker's been handed everything next week.
0: She'll be handed an ass whooping and it's just the nature of the beast. Really, really good segments from both of them. But I mean, Baker in particular, I just thought, man, her presence and confidence right now, are next level in a short amount of time, she was able to g- deliver like very memorable lines. Um, I, I, you know, she probably couldn't have used. she was only given two minutes here, like maybe a minute and a half, and I don't think she could have used them better. So it might have been my favorite promo on the show. I really enjoyed the balance on this
1: show between the wrestling and the promos, and it never got to me like there's some weeks where I just feel it's my head spinning from all of the different segments. And I'm sure there were a lot if you tally them up, but I found by the end of the show. I could remember all of the key stuff if I did not have to rely on notes. And I thought there were some exceptional promos on this show. Yeah. Agreed. Including John Moxley, who says you don't beat Lance Archer. You survive him. And Archer has never been stopped. And therefore he's going to keep coming after me until he ends my career. I'm the hunter and I'm the only boogeyman in AEW or new Japan. He says, Texas death two is on and Lance You might be Texas born and Texas bred. Next week, you'll be Texas dead. Maybe I'm a bit of a masochist way, but I love the promos that revolved around, I'm going to kill you. There were several of them tonight.
0: Well, as long as you know um, they're not being literal about it, then yes. No, this is adding an, an edge to this violence that is going to occur absolutely yeah i like the threat of violence uh i like the threat of even extreme violence but um we we don't want anyone to perish no but Um, yeah just, just the
1: threat sammy guevara versus wheeler Utah. dude sammy guevara came out and just felt like the biggest star on this show my god this crowd went insane for him and this guy just exuded so much charisma he took his time with everything. He made this crowd just eat up everything he was going to do. He, he only did a fraction of like his usual output, but he got like ten times the reaction for everything he did. Um, they showed some highlights of Yuta on recent episodes of Dark, and he came out with Orange Cassidy and Chuck Taylor. While they also showed the Blade and the Bunny in the crowd. Uh, Guevara went for the moonsault off the top, landed on his feet went for another landing on his feet, and then hit a standing shooting star press, and then came off the top of the shooting star press, landing on the knees of Yuta, and Yuta comes back, German suplex, hit a big splash off the top, only gets a one count, and Guevara makes his comeback with a double springboard cutter, and the GTH, Sammy wins in 3 minutes and 48 seconds.
0: Uh, I thought this was just, man, Sammy getting to come out, getting to show his most incredible stuff and maybe like you said just a fraction of it he's been a fantastic heel but now as a baby face i feel like the shackles are off he could just go out there and do as much pretty looking high-flying incredible athleticism as he can uh, i thought the match really managed to like again continue to carry off that momentum coming off the mjf match coming off the stadium stampede even for a guy like sammy so you know, it's like, he's up there right now. Like, I mean, it's really, it really is incredible. Cause right now brewing in this kind of like second tier of guys, just bubbling underneath the, the, the main event surface. Again, we, we mentioned like Sammy MJF, I think is already kind of there. Um, page and Darby. Yeah. Darby. Absolutely. Uh, jungle boy, you know, um, I would say Britt Baker, if you want to maybe kind of throw her in the mix, um, but it's almost a sort of separate division. And maybe I think it's the women's division that kind of needs, you know, those those names that are kind of bubbling just as hot. But, yeah, like, they're doing a great job with Sammy right now.
1: Yeah, and to me, it's been such a natural transition from the cocky annoying sammy guevara like this version like he comes out he's still he's got still, the demeanor he's still
0: cocky yeah except we like him now exactly so and him now he's
1: cocky. our cocky asshole that's how the crowd feels about him and it's just been a seamless transition without him going like randy orton in 2004 where all of a sudden he's all smiles after being this prick for years
0: totally absolutely You know, like, I would say uh, everybody in the inner circle throughout their transition to become a babyface has has retained that edge.
1: Shivani, this was one that just did not land for me. He's with QT Marshall, Aaron Solo, and Nick Comaroto. We don't even get a point to this promo other than QT's annoyed with Tony, so they pour, like, their drink all over his head.
0: Yeah, I know. Poor Tony. I have to probably shower and, man, rough. Um and a waste of a shake, you know. I don't know I don't know exactly what it is now with this uh factory. You know, I think the the bear, the, the members themselves all have a great deal of potential, but I'm not feeling it with QT, you know, especially the way he lost that, that feud with Cody. It just feels like such a low level stable now.
1: Like in theory, someone should stand up for Tony uh in the coming weeks. Um but I don't know. Just on its own here, this just was throwaway. Who? Britt Baker? Britt Baker taking on QT?
0: Yeah. You could. You could do that. I mean, the, the Brit is Tony's best friend.
1: Uh Penelope Ford versus Yuka Sakazaki. This was uh Sakazaki's first AEW match since February and Penelope Ford is 8 and 1 this year and has won 16 of her last 17. Wow, that's pretty impressive. It's very impressive. Uh Sakazaki hit a cannonball off the middle rope. And we went through the commercial and twice Ford gets Yuka into the Muda lock, but Sakazaki gets to the rope. There was a big suplex by Sakazaki, some pump kicks from Ford, and then this hammerlock airplane spin with Ford landing face first on the mat and then finished with the magical girl splash. But uh, Sakazaki got a pretty good reaction coming out here from this crowd that just seemed to be into everyone to varying degrees on the show. But I thought, like, with Sakazaki, the question would be uh would the crowd react to her who has not been a regular on aew
0: for some time but they seem to be very much into her very much so you know and and it tells you she's made a big enough impression throughout her time in aew um that even the layaway that she's had um it it only maybe might have even just made her a bigger star crowd really embraced her and gave her a a fantastic reaction so uh, i you know i i've like the the Joshi wrestlers that have come in, I I would say she definitely made a big, big impression. Next
1: week, Fighter Fest Night 2 in Garland, Texas, uh, which is about 200 miles away from where they were on Wednesday, has Britt Baker and Nyla Rose for the women's title, John Moxley versus Lance Archer in a Texas death match for the U.S. title, Chris Jericho against Sean Spears, where chairs are legal for Spears, and Orange Cassidy versus The Blade. Uh, so obviously there will be stuff announced over the next week, but you've got those top two matches of Moxley Archer and Baker Rose. Do you think they put
0: Baker and Rose in the main event slot? Um, yeah, I don't think you put the Moxley match in the main event. You know, I, I mean, actually, you know, given the stipulation, given the fact that the fact that it's Texas, maybe you can actually next week. You know, maybe they will do the New Japan or New Japan title in the main event. Um, but I would actually go break Baker and Nyla.
1: Yeah, it's the Texas Death Match. It's like it's very tough to either start the show with that or having people follow it. So I could see them putting that on last. But those are the two choices, and I could certainly see the argument of Baker and Nyla Rose as again, much like tonight, like the main event slot comes with equity in AEW, and putting them in that main event slot, it's very it, it just informs your audience these are main eventers, and in particular. Uh,
0: baker like establishing her and that title as a title that closes the show having her end the show next week being triumphant like her first full-on baby face victory i think will be a great way to end next week's show
1: they aired a trailer for aew rampage with um light half the roster getting electrocuted
0: <laughs> yeah so instead of like plumes of uh, rainbow colored smoke like we have for dynamite we have lightning bolts Rampage. And the tagline, less distraction, more action. Oh, okay. As in, like, less distraction finishes?
1: We'll yeah. see. We will see. Maybe there's going to be plexiglass put up against the entrances when a match
0: begins, and no one can run out. Mm, okay. Less distraction, more action. Um, What else can that mean? Like, they're going to take your phones away? You won't <laughs> yeah, be distracted? But- yeah, it's like going to a movie
1: premiere where you've got a, or a screening and you've got to put it into the, the bag mm. at the front. The Mindful
0: Wrestling Show. You're going to make everybody meditate before? Yeah, everyone's got to take notes in the, in the crowd. Mm. So they all right. got to pay
1: attention. Main event, the coffin match between Ethan Page and Darby Allen. Darby immediately goes after him, driving his back into Page and reveals he's wearing a metal plate on his back. Didn't have the exact uh, reaction to the reveal as Bret Hart did.
0: No, it didn't. Um, I don't know. It didn't really work for me either because it was like Darby coming out and attacking somebody with a weapon, um, and that to me didn't feel all that heroic and all that babyface like. You know, like it also if took was... it off immediately. Why? Why would you take it off?
1: If if if, if it's if it's your choice, uh, your weapon that you snuck in, it's not against yes. the rules. Why would you get rid of it?
0: Well, it's heavy, maybe.
1: I, I, I'm telling you, I would have put it back on for the final minute of this show. That is true. Uh, a number of dives left. So Darby goes to open the coffin, and there's Scorpio Sky, who jumps out of the coffin, attacking Darby. And dude, Sting comes out. I cannot imagine what this pop was like live. It sounded unbelievable on, t- on TV. I can't imagine what it was live. Sting takes Scorpio Sky into the crowd... And puts him up against the the boards, and goes for a stinger splash. I don't know if he hit him or not because the camera cut away right before the impact.
0: Yeah, unfortunately, there was a lot going on here because, like, at the same time, it was Paige ripping the like un- unbuckling the one of the bottom turnbuckles, so that was important to get. But you know, unfortunately, at the same time, Sting was doing the, th- the thing with the splash. Sky then got onto
1: the boards and got crotched, and this looked so unpleasant for Scorpio Sky. Alan and Paige then brawl over the guardrail, and they go into the crowd. We go to picture-in-picture, and in this first-ever coffin match, we also got another first. And that was a balcony dive during the commercial break. A commercial break balcony dive. Yes. Was this a first? Wow. Well, during during a picture-in-picture. Um, mm. I will say this, to their credit, they did replay it when they came back from break. But this was this would certainly be up there about the uh, uh, spots you want to make sure you're back from break before you are uh, ascending off a balcony. Uh, but Paige caught him in midair as he was coming down and drilled him into the railing before they made their way back to the ring. And the top rope has been taken down, so Paige has the hook, he puts the hook around Darby's chain around his neck, and then rips this thing off.
0: Yeah. I loved
1: it. It was great. Oh, my God. I, of all the things on this show, I don't care if they, like, gimmick this chain so that it would easily come off. I, I would be like, no. Th- there's just the chance of this really, really being crappy for me. Would you rather have that or have the thing in your mouth? Oh, God, that's like, a tough one because yeah. after this, Darby takes control of the hook and, <laughs> dude, uses the
0: hook to fish
1: hook Ethan in the
0: mouth. That was I'd pretty be, gross, too. I'd be worried for the dude's teeth. Um, yeah, there's probably like one, that, too. One bad move. You're talking about, like, basically a giant baseball bat inside your mouth, you know? There was a lot of uh, unsanitary elements to this.
1: Uh, he drop kicked the steps, sending Ethan into the coffin. Uh, but then Paige gets out. He's also cut on the forehead here. And in the ring, Alan flips over with a stunner, goes for a coffin drop, but it's stopped by Ethan, who then launches Darby with the ego's edge off the turnbuckle, dropping him onto the steps. Back first. That looked fun. They go onto the apron Darby gouges Ethan's eyes and then gets out the skateboard, leaps off the top, nailing the skateboard into Paige, who flies into the
0: coffin. And it is shut as Darby Allen is your winner. They were doing a whole lot with like very little time left in the broadcast, you know, like five minutes in, they had just done the, I think it was the ego's edge spot or something like that. So it, man, um, this was a lot packed into this, main event and i thought it was really great uh very entertaining i think it delivered at the level of spectacle and violence that you were expecting from a stipulation match like this you know something tells me that there's more left in this feud for these two that and that they might hit another level in another match that these guys will have so i definitely think there's more to the to the program
1: i i thought this was a really a really strong main event um Like, again, Darby is just such a popular figure whenever he's put into these roles. This was a great elevation of Ethan Page, who... It's amazing. This guy's come so far from uh, the Transact Club, where I first saw him. Oh, yes. Um, But I will say this. I was slightly concerned about this match, that they were just going to go to such an extreme that it's a given with Darby and Ethan is in such a huge spotlight. Like literally, this is probably the biggest match he has ever been a part of and Mm -hmm. how violent this thing would be that I was glad we didn't get the insane violence that we have seen in some Darby matches. Like this was a perfectly uh, acceptable amount that they did. Like, don't get me wrong. They did dangerous stuff in this, but it didn't
0: to me get out of control that I thought, this match kind of lent itself to towards by their standards. Yeah. Like probably not, um, the craziest match that these two have had, but yeah,
1: like, I, 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 I do not want it... to see like a, a power bomb to Darby in a, in a body bag to the floor.
0: No, you'll get that in the rematch. <laughs> well, that's what I'm
1: worried about. But, um, then we, as I say all that, the show ends with Ethan page inside the wooden coffin and Darby climbs to the top turnbuckle and, and launches himself with a coffin drop through the coffin. That was insane. Like that was cra- absolutely insane.
0: <laughs> that craziest- really negated everything I just said over the last <laughs> yeah. two minutes. The craziest spot in the match took place after the match. It, it also, it was- like, you could see
1: Ethan was certainly positioned like at the far side of the coffin, but still, like, there's still. no preparing for that in any kind of safe manner. You are oh literally God. just hoping for the best it, oh. for both of them.
0: Uh, you know, it really was a spectacular way of ending this this show um so i that's probably one that'll make the highlight in the opening video. Man, what beautiful like imagery you know somebody coffin dropping into a coffin between that
1: spot and the Guevara um dive into the crowd with the camera right in front. I mean, they have some incredible promo material. For AEW programming.
0: Just need some lightning bolts. Just recently.
1: Some lightning bolts, yes. I'm curious what AEW, how they treat the loser of a coffin match. Because in Lucha Underground, that was the writing off of a character. Now, obviously, that's not going to happen here. But does Ethan Page disappear? Does he come back uh, with a... Uh, Zombie? Like some demonic version of Ethan Page? He comes back as
0: as the Kung Fu... uh guy <laughs> i don't i don't think we're going to
1: get karate man uh coming to AEW. <sighs> but that was AEW. what uh what a spectacular show uh 10 plus for this crowd um i can just go up and down like john moxley ricky starks sammy guevara uh darby allen sting hangman page i mean these people got unbelievable reactions all of them like they all felt like these giant stars on this show. Like, dude, Christian,
0: Yuka Sakazaki, like this crowd. Did you say Malachi Black?
1: Malachi Black, comma, Tommy End, comma, Tom Budgen. Um, yeah. Everybody, was,
0: dude. Everybody who, who came across this as a star. Britt Baker. Like, you just watched uh, this two hours,
1: and my God, if you were a new viewer, you would be leaving thinking, this is the hottest company in the world. That's what you would feel like. It was an unbelievable endorsement of this product by this crowd in
0: Cedar Park, Texas tonight. I mean, in terms of, you know, at least entering product. Yeah, absolutely. They are like, it was just, is that a lie?
1: I mean, it was just, to me, it was having that atmosphere. It adds so much. It's like, you're running to buy a ticket in your market to be part of these crowds. Like it just feels like a party Mm -hmm. at these shows that are are conveyed.
0: Totally. Absolutely.
1: Um, Worth noting as well that the, the internet pre-sale for the Arsh- Arthur Ashe Stadium show took place today and WrestleTix, which it's a it's a fantastic Twitter account that monitors all of this stuff, um, for the pre-sale, over 8,400 tickets uh, have been distributed. So that's like tickets sold, your comps, whatever. At least 8,400 have moved already and that's before the on-sale to the public on Friday. So... I think that show is going to do really well. Like, I think they're scaling it for just over sixteen thousand, and can go up to over
0: nineteen. Like that—that's going to be a very successful show. I think come Friday. That's uh, great news, and I mean, after a show like this, um, it's great advertising. Uh, So, a tremendous edition of Dynamite tonight.
1: I would say, agreed. All right, let us go. To forum.postwrestling.com and get feedback from everybody and what they thought of tonight's edition of the show, week one of Fighter Fest. On a scale of 1 to 10, an 8.27 is where the forum came in. We start off with Mark. The energy the AEW crowds brings is incredible. This show feels like the hottest weekly wrestling program in decades. Tonight reinforced the fact that everybody who felt hot during the Daily's Play shows were genuinely over with the crowd at home. I've said it before, the closest comparison I feel like for AEW right now is WWF in 97. You've got a roster full of hungry future main eventers, a top tier main event mix, and a promotion that is running on all cylinders to keep the audience watching that's why i'm excited to be watching each week i really feel like there's something special about this product that will be looked back looked back
0: upon in years to come go to matthew who says i think what happened was adam cole came home last night and was really proud of the great promo he cut on nxt which was a very good promo on tuesday i will add but then Britt said just wait and watch dynamite tomorrow and i'll show you a promo coffin match was nuts I hope they let Omega and Page Feud go longer before the singles match. I'm sure, I'm sure. Uh, uh, what is it, uh, Adam Cole and Britt Baker are very supportive. They're probably each other's biggest fans. Noah from Vaughn writes, last week's show I gave 10 out of 10, and yet this show was even
1: better. This broke his scale. Broke Noah's oh, scale. Oh, wow. This has to be an 11 out of 10, then 11 out of 10. Wow. Every match was awesome. And I'd go as far as saying that this was one of AEW's best episodes of dynamite, but Holy crap. Holy cow. The crowd was really something special. I hope they return to Austin as a regular stop for them. Cause man, they were on fire. I think that's a guarantee. They did tremendous in this market. Um, hot crowd. I am sure they will be back, um, in the Austin market. Everyone came across like huge stars, especially hangman, Sammy Darby and Moxley, an incredible atmosphere all night
0: long. We go to Billy who says great crowd elevated an eight out of 10 show into 9.5 to 10 territory taught to bottom. One of the best dynamites and best main events since the parking lot street fight. All the storylines are just starting to pick up and materialize without treading water. Also love to see a wrestling company, give the fans what they actually want by opening the show with mocks and closing it with Darby. I have tickets for all out weekend and haven't felt this excited for a wrestling show since all in. Okay. We go next uh, to Dan. Another fun
1: episode. It's a speedy, flashy two hours of television, minus the odd drag here and there. I absolutely love King Douche villain Kenny Omega. He brings an energy reminiscent of Bill Paxton's asshole car salesman character in True Lies. I can't get enough of it. In a world where so many wrestling heels want to come across like a Batman villain from the Nolan trilogy or Todd Phillips' Joker, Omega's happy to be a Batman villain from the 60s TV show. Consider me entertained." Now that we're three years in with the Fighter Fest brand, I want to know if you, John and Way, think the event needs a rebrand in 2022, or should AEW keep the name forever?
0: I don't know how urgent they are to rebrand what is essentially now a special TV episode. You know, if it was a... I would actually maybe say that wouldn't hurt for, like, a revolution or, like, you know, um, what's the other one? Full Gear? Like... I, I never like those names for pay-per-views. One I think is incredibly generic. The other is like a one-off joke from like uh, Pac not like being in his underwear. I don't love those names, but whatever. They're established now. Um, I would say maybe it changed up the look, but Fighter Fest, like really, I think at this point Fighter Fest and Fight for the Fallen, these are just shows that I think um are, you know, have a level of establish- establishment of branding attached to them that will just help you, be able to promote a bigger edition of dynamite. So I don't think they're in an, uh, an urgent, you know, like they're probably thankful that they have something like that, you know, in the future, you could probably turn this into one of the TNT specials. So, um, I don't think they'll change the name anytime soon, but if you mean like a change of set and logo, I think that'll always help. Yeah.
1: I, I don't give too much thought to the names. I mean, outside of like great balls of fire, I, I don't really think a name is going to be any kind of detriment. I think, that's not what people are buying shows or tuning into shows for uh, but there is over time i think there is an uh, there is an argument to a consistency with names that you establish something and as opposed to just renaming things left and right i think if they've gone with fighter fest this long that they're going to maintain that name
0: but i don't put we, too much thought into the names we kind of forget but like they named it fighter fest as a shoot off of um what's the fi- what Fire Fly, Firefest, what was that documentary? Yeah, yeah the Firefest
1: um, Firefest, yeah.
0: Firefest, yeah. So, I mean, by the time <laughs> like we get the Fest 5, I mean, I I have already forgotten that documentary. So, um
1: but it's like the name now has like it's a it's 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 own outle- thing. To, to the wrestling fan, they're not even thinking of Firefest when they hear exactly. that name. It's just it's another AEW event. So, I yeah. don't think it's like a
0: tongue in cheek thing anymore. But it's, it's anymore kind of even. silly. I mean, it's just kind of silly because, you know, like it's it's like calling something. Um, I don't know what's, what was a big event from like 10 years ago. Um, I,
1: well,
0: of, how about uh, how about last year calling fi- something uh, referring to the Tiger King? <laughs> sure. Yeah. OK. Fighter King, you know, <laughs> like, it's, it's 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 they're not great names, I have to say. But at this point, it doesn't matter. You know, doesn't matter all that much. Let's go to Shannon from Austin, who says, I was there live with friends, and the atmosphere was so electric. I'm still here as of this writing for Dark Elevation. Dark was taped first. The match of the night was the coffin match. Pop of the night, everybody got a great reaction. But Darby, Mox, Jungle Boy on Elevation, and Britt Baker were near the top. But Hangman and Dark Dark Order was incredible. My favorite segment was definitely Page, Page and Omega. If you heard Jesus Chains, it was because Wrestling Jesus was in the crowd again. Yes, he was spotted. All right. Great long-term dramatic storytelling, and it is memorable. Nine out of ten show. Oh, that's cool to hear a live
1: perspective uh, from Texas. Uh, Next one here. Man, what a show, and that crowd. Take a bow. It had everything you want in a wrestling show, New Japan strong style, hometown boy winning at home, fantastic promos, solid wrestling, and an ego's edge. I never want to see again. Ten hot wives doing the splits out of ten. No, that's that's the counter argument. Uh yeah, you're right. It would be that would another broken scale. That's Mm. the argument though, way is that with Brian Cage and Ricky Starks, think of all the heat if they had beaten the hometown guy. Oh god. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Totally. Heat. Yes, absolutely. They blew it. Instead they
1: got a crazy reaction for Ricky Starks (laughs) and they wasted the
0: disappointment. (laughs) I've seen that person in their hometown fail. Well, that said though, next week it's, it's uh, Lance Archer taking on John Moxley in Texas. I mean, I think there stands a good chance that he'll lose. Maybe not. We'll see. Maybe, maybe not. All right. We got a mug in who says a hot crowd is the salt you need in a great recipe. It can make the difference between a decent wrestling show to a damn good wrestling show. And that was what night one of Fighter Fest was in Cedar Park. Moxley versus Anderson set the tone and Hangman versus Elite Segment made the building feel like it was shaking. Ricky Starks got over big time and the Page Island coffee match was chaos. It was a strong show with very little filler that flew by. That's the name they should give it, you know? Especially if you're going to do night one and night two. AEW Salt and AEW Pepper. So
1: Fighter Fest does not sound that bad uh, when the alternatives (laughs) are brought out. Okay, MJ. Once upon a time, I stood up for a bunch of badly introduced characters. I said they'd be worthy of rivaling a top faction in AEW. You know, props to MJ, who has never allowed anyone to forget uh, the point he made at the uh, the lowest point of, of Dynamite, which caused Tony Khan to change
0: uh, all, all of his ideas uh, going into the new year. MJ is as proud about um, supporting the Dark Order back then as WH will be about calling out um, whatever happens in Loki that we'll talk about tomorrow.
1: Some wanted them banished from the company, not worth continuing to build them. I'm so proud to have joined the Dark Order upon arrival in 2019 from the perspective of a fan who did buy in when the haters hated... Oh my gosh, MJ, come on. And the Brody era, and now
0: this Elite story being where it is, and Dark they Order... Were, hold on dude, a second. I, I, you cannot
1: at, point, at all MJ, compare...
0: I I want you to call in on Friday to, to talk about this. But Dark Order was a completely different thing back then. They changed course. They changed the group. And that's why people... I mean, a lot of other things have happened since then. But it's a very different group now than it was back then. They're just the same in name and membership. It was actually a blessing in disguise that
1: that angle was so poorly received. That it was such a clear message of what we don't want. and That Tony Khan, like, he had that week or two off... And came back and realized what what are our strengths and what are our weaknesses. And it was like, it was a changing point for AEW just several months in because that, that was the night, December 18th of 2019. It was the one night they legit lost in total viewers and the demo to NXT when Rhea Ripley won the title. And it was by far the worst angle that AEW shot uh, with the main event angle, with the elite laid out by the Dark Order. And the Dark Order, credit to them, they completely reinvented themselves the next year. But it was by being a completely different act than the one that ended 2019.
0: And being the elite.
1: Yes. Um, He goes on to say, um, Britt Baker is the new top woman in wrestling. The forbidden door at this level of openness is lovely. And there's no wrestling show on TV that comes close to this level of satisfying time invested week after week. I was there last week in Miami. I recommend everyone go if it's in your area. See you in New York.
0: Finally, we go to click who says, overall, I thought this was a really good show. It's crazy how much the crowd makes a difference. The bad. I know I'm in the minority, but I'm just not a fan of Moxley. I find it very hard to get into his matches. He has a great promo, though. And why are we watching Hardy versus Christian in 2021? I had zero desire to see that. I thought the match was good. Yeah. I mean, you can argue that, yeah, maybe not that much anticipation going into it. But I think, like... Having variety on a show is good. And what we got to see was like a really solid, good match between two veterans. Uh, he says the good. I'm super excited to see Black and AEW. While Col- Cody wouldn't be my first choice. I'm sure these two will have a great match. And I loved everything about it tonight. Hangman Page is money. Love that he is catching fire again. Really enjoyed Darby versus Page. They have something special in Darby. And I look forward to seeing where they go with him of uh, the young of the young core 4 in MJF Darby Jungle Boy and Sammy who do you guys see developing into the biggest star for AEW um, I mean to, I think-
1: to me like like MJF is there I think yeah. at, at this point and I feel that really it's you can extend um, th- this group as well like I think there there's others that you could put in the mix there but I I look at all four that they're all going to be like pillars of this company. If all four stay healthy, Uh, they're certainly young enough that you're going to get years and years out of those four that um, I I don't know if it's like necessarily one over the other, but I certainly see um, Sammy Guevara having, I think, I think where it's different is that everyone saw Sammy Guevara being a top heel, but he will get that heel run at some point, but it's as a baby face that I think is going to be his immediate path.
0: We'll be really interesting to see where, where they develop. I mean, I feel like in 10 years time, you know, we'll be talking about very different characters um, than what we are talking about today, but the raw talent is absolutely there. I'm really interested to see how jungle boy evolves beyond the jungle boy character. You know, when he starts becoming that kind of like solo breakout top star, what is he going to look like? What is he going to sound like? Uh, Again, again, the raw material is completely there. Same with Darby Allen, you know, like my, I think Darby Allen is like, man, already there. Like he, like, or at least very close to that level. Like they just have to give him that sort of build that they're giving right now to hangman page. The crowd is already ready for it. My biggest question is whether or not he, how long he can maintain the style that he's doing every single week. You know, that's,
1: um, it's, it's the most concerning, like, concerning one that, that like, this is a guy that, you know, you just hope that once he is at this level, um, does his body hold up because this guy is just punishing himself. Um, I'll also add that it sounds ridiculous today, but there's no doubt in my mind that there will come the time and the angle and the right heel that will allow for MJF to get that baby face run
0: one day. Oh, no doubt. Absolutely. I mean, I hope the character never changes from what, what he is right now. But if he wants to have the crowd cheer for him, like he could do that like immediately. Yeah,
1: like they they have established like enough layers there that you can you can go a lot of places. And I mean, you ride what's working now, and that's that's him in this role. But I think there's certainly a, a babyface run to be had whenever you have that that tremendous heel that at the end, like deep down the crowd, to finally this guy's on our side. Like there's like that's just natural for any hot heel that you're in no rush to do, but will be an option one day when the right circumstances are there. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thanks everybody for the feedback. It's going to bring it into the show, man. This has been a lengthy one,
0: a lot to talk about. You know what? A lot of feedback for these shows. So, um, you know, AEW is just like getting right back to it on a, on a Wednesday. Do you, you know, how do you think the ratings will be for this one?
1: You know, they did pretty well last week and tonight, they, did, they were going against the NBA Finals, so they did have that factor to tonight's show, at least going against the second hour, but uh, we'll see. I mean, if you, if you put stock in being in front of fans, being a factor, you couldn't have asked for a better atmosphere that if you were tuning in at 8 o'clock, I mean, this was a show that I think grabbed people. Like, this was a very mm-hmm. – uh, like, the kind of show that even if you were planning to – just tune in for a little bit, I would think you would be sticking around because it was just, this was a very fun show. It was like a yeah. party for two hours. It was just a very fun show that moved quick and just the
0: lack of crowd, man, they gave you the best crowd tonight. Beyond like, you know, the overall rating, I mean, the ratings pattern, I think will be just as important to see how Darby um, and some of these other guys do, you know, with a great start with Moxley and then the rest.
1: Yeah, man. They did miss the one opportunity tonight that had the Young Bucks been on in the second hour, we could have compared the Young Bucks going against the Milwaukee Bucks. Oh, I'm sure that's happened. I'm sure it has at at some point. But now it's uh, the Milwaukee Bucks are in a prestigious role.
0: Who are they playing? Phoenix. Hmm. Okay. All right. So we're back. (laughs) The Bucks versus Penta and Phoenix. Oh,
1: wow. Book it. It's too late. Book They're not going to go against oh, them again. They okay. blew it. Tonight was their, their golden opportunity. Gone. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, we, we are back. Well, Way's back on Thursday night, 10 Eastern, a live edition of MCU Later with WH Park and Nate Milton, who will be on. Uh, Way and I were guests on the farewell for a couple of months for Marcus Vanderberg, who... Lost a Loser Leaves Town match that will not be honored, at least for a few more months, because then he'll be returning. But uh, a big Marcus Vanderberg appreciation
0: show. So we uh, stop by for that. If you want to check out the Kings of Sport, always a a fun lesson. It was just fun to hang out and um, John talking about The Wire with two people who actually have watched the show. Um, Perhaps maybe more discussion between the three of you. Maybe that's going to be on Wade's watch list. I,
1: you know, I, I will... You should try. give it another chance.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I watched the first episode, wasn't too into it, but everybody says you kind of have to stick with it a bit longer than that, so maybe I will.
1: Okay. And then Friday night, we've got Rewind to SmackDown live at 1015 Eastern for all patrons. SmackDown's got Edge and the Mysterios against Roman Reigns and the Usos. They've announced a fatal four-way with the male participants in the Money in the Bank ladder match, but front and center is a live crowd at the Toyota center in Houston, Texas as fans are back for a WWE broadcast. So we will have no shortage of things to talk about on Friday night. And of course your calls will be welcome on that show as well. So thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in live in the zoom room and we will be back later this week. Goodbye.